As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Live Well Anyway. I'm your host, Mackenzie Kappa, formerly of Cultivating the Lovely, and on this podcast, we focus on wellness, beauty, style, planning, and life. I feature both a fun mix of guests who I've invited, as well as some hopefully helpful and humorous solo shows centered on things I've learned in my own life. And you guys, I'm so excited about today's episode. I know I say that a lot, but this was an author. I'm having on an author again. I know I've been a little bit more selective this season of who I'm having on. So when I have them on, that means I really like their book and their work. And today's author is Robin Conley Downs and her book, The Feel Good Effect. Now, even when I was going into reading this book, I actually listened to the audiobook. I had my doubts, you know, I listened to a lot of these kinds of things and sometimes they sort of say the same thing as somebody else. This one doesn't. It's backed by really good science that she's invested so much time into how our brains work and how to form habits that will last and to create change that lasts. And I think it gives us such a good perspective going into a new year and how we are thinking about our goals and how we're doing our planning for a new year. This is going to shift everything. And I'm in love with everything she had to say. It led to such a great, fun conversation. I just really enjoyed talking with her, and I hope that you are going to enjoy listening to this episode as well. And I also want to mention, if you guys are wanting a little bit more support with your planning for 2021, I mean, I don't know about you, but a lot of my goals went out the window this past year because it was just such a hard year to plan for, having so much uncertainty about what is happening in the world. And so I have really set out this December to outline a step-by-step process for helping us to figure out looking at our goals differently for the new year specifically. And I'm actually holding a few webinars to help you out with that. So I mentioned it on last week's podcast. I want to make sure if you didn't catch that part of last week's podcast that you hear it today, come sign up. If you scroll down in your show notes and whatever app you're on, you can find the link there. But you can also just go to mckenziecoppacom slash webinar and be able to sign up directly for one of the time slots where you're going to get a PDF guide that's going to walk you through it. You're going to get access to a Trello board that's going to help you with your planning for the new year. And then we're going to talk about a lot of options for support and accountability and that sort of thing to keep you going with the changes that you want to make in the new year because I think that's one of the number one things we do is we don't stick
stick with it. And so we are going to talk about ways to help you to stick with it into 2021. I would love to have you come join me in these free webinars. Again, mackenziecoppacom slash webinar to sign up for one of those three options to come and really chat about how we are going to do this better next year, even with so much uncertainty. But today we get to continue the goal talk right here. Without further ado, here is my interview with Robin Conley Downs. Welcome, Robin. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. I know. I have been really looking forward to this interview because I have been listening to the audiobook that you just released of The Feel Good Effect. Well, pretty recently, right? It was this fall. <laughs> I'm right about that. Time has no meaning anymore. Yeah, yes, right? it was in September. Yeah. Yeah. September. September could have been the month of Flafluga, like who even knows like what anything is anymore. Um, but I have loved this book, especially because of 2020 and the way that we're having to look at goal planning and just kind of structuring our lives in general. I think that you've done such a good job with this book and I'm excited to talk about it. But first of all, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Well, hi, I'm Robin Conley Downs and you can find me uh, at the Feel Good Effect podcast, and then at Real Food Whole Life on Instagram and on the web. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm an author of the book, The Feel Good Effect, and I'm really here for to help you make small shifts that create big change. So leaning out of impossible standards and um, feeling bad about trying to feel good. Yeah. <laughs> and just sort of reclaiming reclaiming wellness, but also reclaiming your day-to-day and how, you know, how those small shifts can add up to a life well-lived. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. It so aligns with what we are doing at Live Well Anyway, and I'm super excited to talk about it. But first, I want to do a little bit of a rewind. And I was wondering if you could tell us just how you even kind of got started on the web. What made you start your website? How did you want to be involved with wellness and all of that kind of thing? Like what, what sparked your interest there and how did that grow over time? Well, I started my website uh, when my daughter was two. Um, and it was a really interesting time in my life because for like, for most of us who are parents, uh, things change when you have, yeah. have children. And, and for me, it was really um almost a a rock bottom moment, but not maybe in the way that that sounds. So um, up until that point, the the baby wasn't the rock bottom, but there was some lifestyle things going on. Um, I had been really pushing and striving in my life and career and just my approach to life um, up until the point where she was born. And then um, I had been really just trying to do I don't know. I was just striving. Like I always was trying to do more. I was working a full-time 60 hour week job. I was in school full-time through my whole twenties and into my thirties. I often was working multiple jobs because I really just have lots of passions and loved what I was doing. Um, and, and that I could sustain that. Okay. I wasn't taking care of myself, but it didn't seem that that wasn't on my list. I didn't occur to me that that was something that was necessary. And I, again, like, I think in your twenties, depending on how old you are listening, you, I think you can get away with a little bit more the younger you are, depending on (laughs) various factors. But then when my daughter was born, I had, um, 
up until then, I'd had uh, some infertility and a couple miscarriages and then a very difficult pregnancy with her. So after she was born, I wasn't in great health. I hadn't been taking, I just didn't know where to start and taking care of myself. And then I tried to jump back into the life that I had, that striving, pushing, trying to do everything. And it really failed. And I felt like I was failing, that I was a failure, that I wasn't working hard enough. I wasn't disciplined, that I was just couldn't figure out the right system. And eventually I realized that maybe I wasn't the problem and maybe it was the approach that was failing me and that I should try to figure out a different way based on my background and my research background. So that was really why I started. It took me a, f- a few years. I, I did. I know these people who start things when they have infants. That was not me. I needed a couple of years. But then when she was two, I thought, you know, I've been doing some things that have made a big difference. These small shifts that have creating big change. And I wanted to start sharing that. And then the website grew to the podcast, which grew to the book. So that's kind of how I got here. That's awesome. So I just, I think this is a really interesting thing because I've had authors on from both perspectives, but did someone approach you about writing the book or did you think I have this great idea for a book and I'm going to shop the book? Well, I, I am an avid reader and I am like a total bookstore nerd, library fanatic. And so my mind, I mean, the idea that I could write a, be an author was beyond my wildest dreams. And um, so I didn't shop it. I actually was approached through the podcast. So I had been awesome. talking about the concepts to have the feel good effect and having a lot of impact on people, including someone who worked at a publisher, a big publisher. Um, and she was like, this is working for me. So let's, let's do this. So it ended up actually going to a different publisher than the one that oh, wow. initially reached out. Um, but that's how it, that's how it happened. So it was very much like a little kid in a candy store, like your biggest, wildest dream. Yeah. Um, to see it. Of course I haven't seen it in a bookstore, but someday I will. (laughs) That'll be a good day. Yeah. When we can actually do that again, that'll be amazing. Mm -hmm. It will. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I, I think it's so fun when it's like you get that validation of like, yes, not only is this working for people, but they believe in it enough to get it out to the masses. That's, that's a really yeah. awesome thing. Well, I'll tell you another little story, Mackenzie, just along those lines that um, it really, you know, when you, you shop a book, it doesn't mean I've, the publishers are going to be interested. Like it, you're yeah. taking this risk. And um, one of the top publishers, it went all the, like the um, editors liked it and the editorial team liked it, but then it went to the top of the publisher and the person in charge just felt like he said it was an anti-wellness book and that he didn't want it. And I knew we could talk about that a little bit because it was so, it was a kind of crushing, but then I realized how far we have to go because this message of um, radical simplicity and rest and focusing on what matters and not doing the rest, I think is fundamental, but there are still people that see that as like anti-wellness That's crazy. or something I don't know so it was exciting for me just to say like I think that we're shifting you mentioned that you talk about it here on your show mm-hmm. it's but we're still in the minority of people that believe that there's this different way and so I was just thrilled to be like part of that movement yeah 
Well, I, especially because we've been formulating all of our stuff that we're coming out with for, you know, the end of the year and making your goals for New Year's. And that's something that's always kind of a big deal with our Patreon group and kind of what we're bringing. But I have been feeling before I even picked up your book, like this shift of, you know, goal planning in 2020, the way I've done it in the past did not work because Mm -hmm. there were so many things up in the air. There was so much that I just could not account for so much survival mode that happened. And I knew that I, there were shifts that I wanted to make, like I always do kind of going into a fresh new year, but I wasn't going to be able to go about them the way that I always have. I knew that it was going to have to be a lot more based on the differences in the daily practices that I'm having more so than looking at this big end goal that I'm trying to Mm. achieve. And when I was listening to your book, it was like, yes, this is exactly what you're talking about with the goal flipping. And, you know, even just things like multitasking and decision fatigue and all these things that we're going to talk more about, because I just feel like it was so right on and exactly what we're needing to hear as the whole world is on fire, like we need to take this different approach to and to enjoying the process. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of jumping ahead here with my notes, I wanted to go like succinctly, but I'm just going to go here because you especially talk about how so many of the times when we have these goals, we hate the process of where we're trying to go. And then this end thing that we're doing or getting to is very short lived. Like you talked about it with running a half marathon. And I would never even try to do that because I'd hate the running of the marathon as well as the getting there. But I thought that was such an interesting perspective. Like, why are we trying to do these things that, you know, the process is the majority of the time that we are doing it. Would you just talk about that for a minute? Yeah, well, it really is me reimagining goal setting. And that's why I call it goal flipping. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing wrong with wanting results, right? We all want results and that's fine. But what happens, like you said, is that we get really focused on this, uh, what we think the goal outcome is. And we forget that it's the the daily habits and actions and mindset that is what it takes to get us there. And so we either, um, don't account for that. We don't ask the questions like, does my life accommodate these habits and actions? Is this, is this going to work or do I have the systems and structures in place for this to work? And then we also don't stop to ask ourselves, is there any joy here? You know? (laughs) And so, because the idea is like you sacrifice and push and then you like run across the finish line. Um, But what we know from the science and the research is that even if you can like make yourself discipline yourself into doing it for a certain amount of time. Once you reach the goal, you'll stop doing it. And what I'd rather people is that they don't stop, that they keep going, but also that the process, the daily actions and habits, that's your life. Mm -hmm. And I want you to feel good in your life. And so it is a fundamental shift in thinking, like you mentioned, but it's, it's very life-giving and very, I feel like a lot of people tell me validating oh, I can just do these little things and that's good enough. That's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, it allows those daily practices to be the goal. Yes. But you also talk about how by doing that, it doesn't negate getting somewhere. Like 
by focusing on that, it actually gets you closer to that big thing that you still want to do, but you're just not focusing on that. The goal is the actual thing that you're doing day in and day out. Right. And it seems so intuitive when you say that. Yeah. But it's, it's, <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time now. Yeah. And I realize that like, it's so radically different than what we've been taught or internalized, mm-hmm. but it's almost hard to um, believe that that's good, that that's going to work. That if you yeah. just say the goal is the practices, you almost yeah. feel like, well, I'm not, I didn't name the thing. And I, you know, I didn't yeah. say I'm going to lose 20 pounds or Sorry, I always, weight loss is like the number one thing, I think, but it doesn't, that sometimes people put on their list. It's not for me, like my focus at all, but let's say it's, I'm, you know, I think the top five resolutions are like about eating healthy, going to the gym or working out more, getting out of debt, reading more. There's like five. So I think when we think, we think, well, I'm going to just say that thing. And then that's my goal. (laughs) And instead saying, well, what would it look like if I want to read more? or I want to read a hundred books this year or whatever. What does that mean for me? What's the practice? Yes. And letting that be where you're putting your, your energy and your focus. Yes. And like you were saying, it's, it's counterintuitive because we always think, I think in our culture, like have your vision board and have that big thing that, you know, keep your eye on the prize. And so it's, it's a very fundamental shift to say like, no, I'm going to focus on this little thing, but you even brought up that football team. I am not a football fan, but I thought it was a really good example. (laughs) Well, I can tell you. So if you're not a football fan, Nick Saban is one of the winningest coaches in college football. Yeah. And one of the things that he does very differently is that he doesn't get gather his team together at the beginning of the season and tell them like, envision yourself winning the championship. Imagine, you know, holding the trophy. He never talks about winning championships or games or even, you know, the next game. What he talks about over and over is what do you need to do today in practice? And what do you need to do in the next sequence in practice or the next um, drill in practice? Um, and the amazing thing is they win games and they win, um, you know, regionals and then they win national championships. Yeah. And it's just such a great example because it seems like, right, like you said counterintuitive, but his players become excellent at the things that get them to win games. <laughs> and yeah. so it's a really like, it does seem like, oh, of course that's the way, but that's not how we'd, that's not how we typically do it. And you mentioned vision boards. So imagine for 2020, if instead of making big goals and if vi- the vision board is such a meme for 2020, right? Like it's so yeah. hilarious, <laughs> the things that people put that didn't happen. But yeah. imagine if we instead for 2020 focused on the daily actions and practices and habits we wanted to cultivate then when March hit, you know, and then July, you know, whatever we, yeah. whatever is happening now, wherever we are, we yeah. could, wherever we are, um, we could have gone back to that and said, okay, well, maybe I need to tweak my daily practices, but this didn't throw me off all that much. And yeah. that's where I want people to get to. Yes. 
Yeah, I think especially now we are so needing that because I think that, you know, mental health is at an all time low. People are discouraged. And I think so many of us have been existing in survival mode or up and down for so long that we are wanting to say like, okay, even though the world is still in chaos, I want to take back some of that control over my life. And I want to start living well again, instead of just trying to get by from day to day. And Mm -hmm. it's not a time when we can still have those big end goal types of plans and goals. This is the key right here. It's the, the changing your mindset and getting really good at the small things that are going to produce that big change over time. Yes. And when you say mindset, it's getting really good at uh, dealing with a day that doesn't go the way that you thought it was going Mm -hmm. to and not letting, allowing that to derail you for the rest of the month. And if anything, 2020, 2020, 2020, yeah, whatever <laughs> it's it three. Is. Yeah. I don't know. Um, if anything, this <laughs> 2020 has taught us that, you know, um, if, if you switch, if you rethink and you reclaim and you go with the small shifts in these daily practices, there will still be so many days where like things just, just go off the rails and it's your ability to flow with that and say, Mm -hmm. this is a normal part of the process. And so when people say like, okay, well, I'm going to do this every single day, whatever the practice is, I say, well, okay, but what happens when you don't, (laughs) what happens when your kid gets sick or, you know, you, your internet goes out or uh, whatever other weird things happen, uh, like that we can't even imagine, then what happens the next day and helping people to um, normalize the missed day and to know that like daily practice doesn't mean that you do it every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I think we so get, I mean, and you talk about this in the book, that kind of all or nothing idea that it's another one of those shifts that we just have to grapple with in our head. It was really interesting looking at the book from an audio perspective because I don't have Mm -hmm. the hard copy, but the whole, I mean, half the book is made up of in the first section, which is all about mindset. And that's really the foundation that you have to get in place in order to let all these other things work. Mm -hmm. It's true. And I really did that on purpose because what we tend to do is focus on habits first. And Mm -hmm. I'm a huge proponent of habits. That's one of, I've been doing research on habit formation for 20 years, but what is often missing is the mindset piece. And it's really what um, I think keeps people from long-term joyful consistency. And so mm-hmm. all you mentioned all or nothing thinking that black or white on the wagon, off the wagon, you can have a beautiful set of practices and habits, but if you are stuck in that all or nothing loop, when yeah. a day go, when you have a bad day, quote unquote, bad day, or Um, an off day or an off week or the holidays or whatever it is, that is the thing that derails you regardless of how how well you have established your habits. So when you can lock in the mindset piece, um, Mm -hmm. your habits will become so much easier and also so much more sustainable. Yeah. And I thought you did such a good job in the book of really breaking that down into succinct steps that because you can say like, change your mindset, like, oh, okay, thanks, you know, (laughs) but you really broke it down into, well, this is what that looks like to actually train your brain to think in a different way. 
Right. It is neuroscience. So, and again, like that, some of my backgrounds in neuroscience, but I wanted to present it in a way that was really attainable and accessible to people and not like mm-hmm. tell you all the yeah. nitty gritty about brains. But um, mindset gets used so often, as you know, Mackenzie, like it's thrown around all the time and it, it's used for a lot of different to you first. It means different things to different people. But sure. um, I think I try to present like a pretty science backed definition just so that you could understand that the way that your brain processes information is is through the result of how you were born, but also the thoughts you practice thinking. And the amazing thing is that you can change the thoughts that you think. And um, regardless of your situation that you're in, and when you change the thoughts that you think, you get different uh, actions, different habits, and then different results. So um, it's just about empowering people to know that, that if, if you keep ending up falling into old ways, it might not be so much the habits, it might be more about the mindset for you. Yeah. Man, you guys, this year has been stressful. It has just been one for the books. I mean, we all know that. But I don't know about you. I carry my stress in my body. I think that's just kind of the natural thing. Our bodies respond to what is going on in our lives, and it creates tension. I know for me personally, I hold a lot of my tension in my shoulders and my neck and my upper back. And sometimes I am just in so much pain by the end of the day with all of that tightness that I'm carrying, and I need a way to be able to relieve it. I mean, the stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an athlete or just a regular person like me trying to get through the day. That muscle pain and tension is a real thing. And that's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. You guys, that's because the all new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's even on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness, you're not going to be waking up the kids or anything like that because this is just going to do the job without making a bunch of noise. I love to use it on my shoulders and just get that relief at the end of the day and just work out all of those kinks. It's so effective and I know you're going to love it too. It makes such a difference in the amount of just pain and tension that I'm dealing with. And you can try Theragun for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need, starting at only $199. So go to theragun.com lovely right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. This is the perfect Christmas present to ask for or to give to someone else in your life because we are all dealing with this right now. So again, go to theragun.com lovely, theragun.com lovely to get a Gen 4 Theragun today. Okay, because this has come up a couple of times now, and I really do want to make sure that we mention it, because I think that your book is different than a lot of other books that I've read on goals. I mean, a lot of them have some sort of research behind them, but you could really tell that you put in the work and you looked at this from a lot of different, like legitimate perspectives, like Mm science-based perspectives for how our brains work and how habits are developed and all that kind of thing. Would you just talk for a second about the research that you put into developing this book? Yeah. So it's a combination of a couple of things. It's um, psychology and a couple of fields of 
psychology, cognitive behavior therapy, which really focuses on reframing thoughts. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of research behind that. Um, so it's not woo and it's not like positive, think your way out of this. It's really about um, tactical things that you can do to change your brain. So I drew a lot on that kind of uh, repatterning and then also just basic neuroscience on how our brains work um, for that first part. And then also all, all the field of mindfulness. So um but in a way, because most of people, most of my friends don't want to pick up a book and read, you know, 50 books on neuroscience and different psychology, you know, yeah. approaches and, and mindfulness. So I said, okay, let's take this and just put it into really, really simple terms. And then the second part is the work that I've done in um, behavior change. So how people form and maintain and keep habits. Um, and so some of that, like you mentioned, like how People make decisions and decision fatigue and um, all of these things really comes down to what is keep as normal human people. And for me, I'm a mom. Yeah. What, what is really standing in my way? Because even back when I mentioned when my daughter was born, I kind of knew what to do. I just wasn't yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah. Or I wasn't doing it consistently. And that's always been the heart of what my work is like, well, why? Why? Because sometimes we think it's because we aren't, we're not good enough. We're not disciplined. We are a failure. And I'm, that's not why, Yeah. <laughs> but there's these other things. And I wanted to put them in one place so you could understand like, oh, I know what to do. I'm not doing it because of this. And here's a way through that. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's mentioned- all my background. Yeah. <laughs> that's all the no, science. I- yeah. I love that. I think that is so impactful and it really makes the book all that more legit because you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. thank you for distilling all of this technical information down for me and then putting it into a format where I can just take it and use it, which is so helpful for any anybody. Everybody's busy. Everybody's got so much on their plates. I think you've made a really usable book, which is so just beneficial to everybody. But I really liked, you kind of hit on it again, that whole idea of decision fatigue and multitasking. And I have talked about this, like how our brains actually get tired and get taxed. Mm -hmm. And that has an impact on your body as well. And you talk about that. And I thought it was so interesting the way you went into that about how even having to switch our focus actually uses more mental energy. Would you just go into that whole thing for a minute? Because I thought it was so interesting. So I call it the fatigue formula. And the fatigue formula is simply the number of decisions you make in a day, plus the number of times you switch your focus. Um, So multitasking. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But what we need to know is that when you make a lot of decisions, it's called decision fatigue. And when you make a lot of, when you switch between tasks, multitasking, that adds up to a drain on your mental energy, which then drains your willpower. Yeah. And so think of it like a battery on your phone. Some apps use a lot of your battery, like my map app, if I have that open on a drive, my battery gets super drained. Well, like that map app is a lot like just making decisions. So by three or four o'clock in the afternoon, you might find that your willpower is drained. 
and you beat yourself up about it, it's probably more about the number of decisions you've made in the day and, and the number of times you've had to task switch versus like you just not having willpower. And I find that's really important too for caregivers to understand. So if you happen to be a parent mm-hmm. or a caregiver of any kind, you're making more decisions and likely yeah. <laughs> task switching a lot. Yes. <laughs> and um, there's something <laughs> like, <clears throat> I'm just laughing because today's been one of those days. Um, we're still in online school here where yeah. I am. So I, like, I'm so exhausted right now. It's like one thing in the afternoon and f- for me, and I'm like, why am I so tired? Oh, cause I've been interrupted 90,000 times so far today. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like one, it's just empowering you with that knowledge that there's a reason you might feel that way. And then also giving you some ideas of what to do about it. Some of that we have control over and some of we don't, but just mm-hmm. so that you know, like this is, this is real. This is very real. Yeah. It's very, very tough cognitively taxing. And um, that's why I call it the fatigue formula, because if you're feeling that way, this might be one reason. Yeah. Well, and I think, again, I mean, 2020 keeps coming up, but it's a real thing, especially for those of us who are still virtually schooling our kids. You know, I, I had been counting down to this fall. I remember thinking last February, okay, I've got six months. My youngest kid goes to kindergarten and then I'm like home free. (laughs) I can, you know, work all day without interruptions and it's going to be glorious. And I just can't even imagine what it's going to be like. And then September came and she didn't go back to school. And now she actually is in school, but I've got two other kids who are home and it's like, what, what happened? I mean, even this morning I was getting ready for this interview and I'm really focusing on like getting all my questions together and everything. And we set up our house with echo dots. And so my kids, they drop in on my room all the time. And I get this drop in from my daughter. She's like, can you please come here for a second? Okay. You know, I go in there. I have a dot on my hand. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? <laughs> okay thank you for letting me know but I mean it is those little things that they get they get taxing on you and so I think all of the ways that we can eliminate decision fatigue we we need to more than ever we do and I feel like it's like a 50 50 split for me where I 50 percent of the time I do so the antidote to decision fatigue and, and task switching to the fatigue formula is what I call decision templates and um, single tasking zones. So you either make decisions ahead of time or you create these like pockets where you can be focused. And I think how I'm trying to, in my reality, I use those about half the time. And then the other half the time, I just say like, wow, this is just I'm just getting interrupted so much that I just need to lean into that and not even beat myself up for the fact that I'm not getting anything done today. And that, that today for me is the second half of the today, the 50% of being like, okay, today is not a day where I get a lot done. And it's not because I didn't have a good decision template or because I didn't have my day planned out. Well, it's because my daughter needs a lot of help with writing today and my husband's on calls and this is what's happening. So it's like this it's knowledge is power. Like you, just knowing sometimes it's good. Mm-hmm. And then the other half is like, sometimes you can take action and make your life easier. And, and that's where some of the techniques in the book come in. 
Well, and that also goes back to the mindset part because you specifically talk about, and I'm not going to use the right word with this, but oh, satisfying. Is that what you're talking about? Um, or something I, else? I, I'm going to get there, but I think it was more the, um, like having grace with yourself. Oh, gentle is the new perfect. Yes. Like allowing, like not beating yourself up over those things. And that was part of that mindset thing. And I think that is so important. You know, I have a friend who is going through a really difficult time right now and having a bunch of upheaval in their life and really tough things happening. And I have to keep reminding them seriously let up on yourself because look at all you have done let's let's celebrate that for a minute because you've done amazing things and maybe not everything is falling into place but look at what you have done because that's pretty incredible I I'm so glad you say that and I I shared a story on my Instagram a couple weeks ago my uh I had at the beginning of the year I put all of my daughter's no school days on my calendar even though she's in virtual school I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, here's all the days. I'm really so organized, good for me. And at some point, either they changed the schedule slightly or it's possible I looked at the wrong version. At any rate, I had told her all week, like, you don't have school on Friday. You can sleep in. You don't have to get up, blah, blah, blah. So that Friday, she like sleeps in and she's on the couch, like in her jammies reading. And um, we happened to check on something in her, her school Chromebook and it was a school day and (laughs) like not only had I you know like not only had she missed it but I had actively told her it wasn't a school day and she had a meltdown and it was really upset and um I got her on there and and then I went on Instagram I'm like just by the way I like had I told my daughter there was no school day and someone was like well you should get her calendar and and a blah blah I'm like no this wasn't about her she has an alarm and a calendar. I told yeah. her I was in school today. Yeah. <laughs> but what else I said was, I don't feel bad about this. I don't feel guilty. I mean, I'm sorry to my daughter, but I also told her like, she's like, how could you do this? And I said, what do you mean? Of course, how could I do this? Do you know how much I'm trying to keep together yeah. for our family? Yeah. Of course, I didn't know that it was. And um, I told people like, this is an impossible situation. It's impossible. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, that's it. And so if it's impossible for you too, that means you're normal and gentle is the new perfect. And like, I don't feel bad about it and neither should yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody gets a permission slip to not feel bad about things because we're all right. doing the best we can. Yeah. Right. And look at all you have done. I mean, you put it on the calendar. That in itself, like, way to go. I was like, I planned. I kn- I know. Yeah. And, and I, I explained to her because I feel like as a parent, it's really important for me to, to instill gentle as the new perfect for her. I said, yeah. look, mommy, mommy is doing the best I can. I'm working full time. I'm helping you. I'm helping daddy. I'm getting all the food on the table. Like, of course I messed up. I made yeah. a mistake because it's really, I'm doing the best I can. And I think modeling that for her to say, mm-hmm. of course I made a mistake, but how could I not? And that that's you know, I apologize for it when it's something that I can apologize for, but I also don't, I think it's that act of like being so hard on yourself, like your friend. I know so many people like that. And I say, gosh, of course, like, look at everything you're doing. Yeah. Give yourself a little credit for that and let the little thing, those slip ups, let them go. Yeah. And teaching our kids to not let those things 
totally derail you either. Like accepting that they happen and you can mm-hmm. still pick up and move forward. Yeah. And she, we ended up finishing the day because it was online. We were able to get the rest of the material and we fin- she finished the day. So it was a good yeah. lesson for her too. Like, it's okay. Something yeah. went wrong and let's fix it now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it's oftentimes easier for us to see in other people than it is to see in ourselves, but it's so important that we actively try to build that muscle for us and our kids. But you also brought up, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the self-compassion piece that's really built into the book. Mm -hmm. You just, you touched on it so well that we're actually able to show others um, in our inner circle compassion at a much higher rate than ourselves. So if you find yourself in that sort of beating yourself up moment or guilt moment, ask yourself, what would I say to a child or a dear friend? Yeah. And it was amazing when I shared that on Instagram, majority of people were like, oh. <laughs> they thought it was funny. And they were like, that's not a big deal. And I, yeah. I thought to myself, wouldn't it be amazing if every person that sent me a note saying no big deal, or you're doing a great job would say that to themselves the next yeah. time that something went off like a little bit wrong and what a powerful shift that would be if you talk to yourself the way that you would talk to a friend. Yeah. Ladies, I want to tell you about one of my favorite things that I have received this year and I think would make a great gift that will give the whole year long, and that is the Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box. Now, I've been a fan of essential oils for a long time, but a lot of times they just sit in a box in my closet because I either don't know what to do with them or I don't want to try to get all the other supplies for making things with them. I mean, it always sounds fun, but then I never really get down to doing it. Well, Simply Earth has taken care of all of that for me. They have curated these boxes that they send out every month that have seasonal scents, which is so much fun because I love changing the scent profile in my house with every different season. And they tell me exactly how many drops I need to put in that diffuser, which is so helpful. I absolutely love that. They've got these great little recipe cards that come in the box and almost everything I need to make these different recipes happen. Everything from candles to foot scrub to lotion, a lot of fun things that have been so fun for me to be able to make with my daughters. It's given us an activity, and then I know that there's no junk in the stuff because I am the one who's making it, so I don't have to worry about the toxicity in my home. So let me give you the specifics so you know exactly what you're getting or what you're giving if you order these boxes. The Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box will help you or a friend or family member gain the confidence and clarity in using essential oils that you need to make your home toxin-free. You get four pure essential oils and natural ingredients delivered to your doorstep and these are 100% pure. They come from the best farms all over the world. And then you use the easy to follow recipes to make six different products with oils and ingredients found in the box. And these recipes are curated by in-house aromatherapists that know what they're doing. They're tried and tested. They are great. They're so easy to follow and they really make fabulous products. And then you enjoy the peace of mind that comes with using natural products that you know the ingredients of. The monthly recipe box has over 2,000 five-star reviews and Simply Earth gives 30 of their profits to help end human trafficking, which makes them an even cooler company than they already are. The essential oils alone in this box would cost over $100 from other companies. But with the Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box, you get those four pure oils, six recipes, and extra ingredients for only $39. And when you subscribe, you get a free 
big bonus box with even more natural goodies. Using essential oils to support your wellness doesn't have to be overwhelming. Have fun making your home toxin-free with Simply Earth's essential oil recipe box. Plus, get a free 80 milliliter diffuser when you subscribe using simplyearth.com slash livewell. So again, go to simplyearth.com slash livewell, get a free 80 milliliter diffuser, and give or get one of the most fun boxes around. And it is hard. I know that's been something I have really been working on and learning this year because I know I am my biggest critic and the person who gets down on myself the absolute most. And to actually have to like consciously make the effort this year about certain things that have happened in my life to say, okay, I'm going to think positively about myself or affirm myself in this. I always thought like, oh, mantras or like telling yourself, you're doing a good job. Like, I hate that stuff. It's like, oh, that's such a joke. Like, just get with it and get your job done. And like, you know, like I just, <laughs> I always felt like a fake. Like, I'm not going to put a post-it note on my mirror saying like, you're wonderful. Like, that's so dumb. No, I'm trying to work to, you know, whatever. But to actually, like I journaled at one point this year and I actually told a friend, I said, this is a breakthrough moment for me. I said in my journal, like, you did a good job at this. Like, that's so hard for me to say, but it helped me to not get stuck in the frustrations of the things that I, I know I wasn't doing as well at. And, and we've got to learn to do that. Well, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that, because I think that's uh, very common. I was the same way. I'm the biggest skeptic of all times. And I was like, oh, please. Like self-compassion, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> Self-kindness, pass. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. I don't even know what you're talking about. So one of the things that changed my mind was the over a thousand articles, science-based research articles on self-compassion and how yeah. people who practice self-compassion are one, they actually have better immune systems. Yeah. Two, they are more product, they're more productive. Three, they uh, are able to recover when something goes wrong more quickly. And, and four, they are um, not, I would say, better caregivers. They, that compassion actually has been shown to resonate to the people around you um, for real, not just woo, but like actually yeah. comes through. And so I thought, well, why am I ignoring this? This seems like magic you know, yeah. medicine and I'm not, I'm not taking advantage of it and it's free. So why don't I try it? And I think I wrote in the book that, you know, gentle is the new perfect. The self-compassion has been like a bomb to my inner critic and that I felt stupid doing it for a long time until it really started to make a difference. And then yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. And it doesn't mean I, you know, I'm with you, Mackenzie. I still am very quick to like self-criticism and not feeling like I'm doing it good enough. But now my response is very quick with the compassion. And that's made a really big difference in my life. And I think in those, for those people around me as well. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so interesting, like you were saying, it's, it's like a lot of the stuff we have been talking about today. It's so counterintuitive that by being compassionate with 
your shortcomings and where you maybe didn't make it as well as you wanted to or whatever it is, you actually allow yourself to be a more productive person because you don't Mm -hmm. get stuck just being frustrated over what you haven't done. And I mean, I think there's probably a lot of different aspects to it that I'm not doing justice to. But I just think that's so interesting because I think a lot of times the number one reason I feel like I have to be critical of myself is so that I can get more done and I can be more productive and I can make things happen. And it's actually the opposite that is true. It's true. And it, I think it helps if, if that you're so great. We can say that you're noticing that. That's the first step is actually noticing. I think it's upsetting when you first start noticing. For me, I was like, wow, I am yeah. really kind of an awful person to myself. Yeah. Um, but then identify the lie that it is. Like, I am telling myself that if I'm horrible or beat myself up or tell myself I suck or whatever your version is, that that's going to make me get this done or do it better. And that's not true. Yeah. And what would happen if I tried something else? And I find too for parents that sometimes just telling them like, would you want your child, is this what you want your child to grow up doing? Yeah. Is this what you want them to believe? is the best way to accomplish what they want to accomplish. And my guess is no. Yeah. <laughs> so if you yeah. can learn a different way, you can model that for your kids. Yeah. Well, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, you probably don't know my backstory, but three years ago I had to leave an abusive marriage and all of this, this stuff. And so we lived with my parents for almost a year and a half before we were able to get our own place. And it only became clear to me just how much I was doing that to myself And even Mm. verbalizing those things, my mom would be like, stop that negative self-talk. Like, that's not getting you anywhere. And at the time, I would just say, no, it's not negative self-talk. I'm being realistic. Like, Mm. I'm saying what the real thing is, you know, and it was in counseling and even, you know, more recently, probably the summer with a friend when I said something And they said, but is that really true? Like, look at the brass tacks of it. Let's look at proof of whether or not that thing is true about you. Okay, look at all these things that disprove what you just said. Okay, so that's not true. So don't say it. Mm -hmm. And it took them kind of like having to break it down to the actual pieces and like, look at this proof in your life that says that thing is not accurate. That made me actually have to say like, oh, maybe these things that I'm saying about myself are more extreme than what is the truth. And that is more damaging than it is good. I love that you said that because I think, well, again, for your vulnerability to be honest about that. And also because I think that you hit the, you really got it, which is most people don't frame it as negative self-talk. They frame it as being a realist. Yeah. And that's usually a combination of factors and possibly, you know, being in an abusive relationship, being raised by people that were incredibly hard on you. There's a number of of, um, factors that might make you convinced that that's um, the only way and the necessary way. Mm -hmm. But I always just invite people to know that there is a lot of research that suggests that there is another option and that... um, you have the power to rewire and to change, to change that if you want, yeah. if you still want to. But the first step is to say like, 
is this true? Is this the only yeah. way I can view this? Is <laughs> that yeah. can take a little bit of work. Yeah. Yeah, it really can. And sometimes, you know, maybe you need that outside help of somebody else to kind of help you sift through that. I know that was a game changer for me, but it, it really does make such a difference when you can ask that question and truly answer, like, is this true? And, and it, it really makes a big difference. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I did want to bring up this word because you brought it up a little while ago and I want to hit on it because I think it is another big piece and that's satisfying. And mm-hmm. you can go into like what that actually means, but I think it's so important that we learn how to do this well. Well, so satisfice is a real word and it came, it's a, I don't know, the story backstory is it's a, from an economist and a political scientist who won um, the Nobel Prize for um, economics many years ago. And he was studying how part of economics is studying choice. So how people make decisions. Mm-hmm. And um, there was this whole field in economics called, or in political science called rational choice that people make rational decisions. We know that's not true now, but that was kind of the whole (laughs) field. And what his kind of contribution that won him the Nobel Prize was this idea that people can either make perfect decisions in a simple world, or they can make imperfect decisions in a complex world. But it can't be both. It has to be one or the other. And since we don't live in a simple world... Yeah, we have to make imperfect decisions. And he calls that he called it satisficing. Now, is that the best word to use? I don't know. But I think it's funny. So I yeah, (laughs) it's like a combination of satisfactory, I think. And, and so anyway, my, my point in telling you that is that I think we get stuck with this idea that we can make a perfect decision. Mm -hmm. But it with this idea that it's like a simple world. But when we are in this complex world where everything has these like multitude of of consequences, we actually do much better when we accept that any choice we make, any decision we make is going to be imperfect. There's going to be trade-offs. And I think that that's been one of the most fascinating things about this year of many for me is watching people try to make decisions who are what um wait what people what the psychologists called are called optimizers so optimizers are always trying to make a perfect decision mm-hmm. and it takes them a lot of mental energy so let's say you're trying to find the perfect pair of shoes you go and you if you're an optimizer you're looking and looking and looking and looking and trying to find the perfect pair of shoes whereas a satisficer is like okay i need you know here's the three things i need in a shoe i look at a couple places boom those are good enough and you pick mm-hmm. that. But what we know from the research is that the satisficer is happier, even though the optimizer took way more time and more thought. They're less happy with their decision in the long term than the satisficer. And so if we can start thinking about the, t- the fact that nothing, no decision we make is going to be perfect, there are always going to be trade-offs, that we just need to look at what the trade-offs are rather than trying to make the perfect decision, we'll save so much time, mental energy and effort. Yes. Yeah. I think I tend to be 
a little bit more of an automatic satisficer than some people. I mean, I think it's different about, I mean, there's probably certain areas of my life that I'm more like trying to look for the perfect thing than others. But I think in general, my personality is more like, okay, just, yep, that works. I'm going to go with that. Or my mom says like, get that pair of shoes. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. But I definitely know people who just get stuck in that Mm -hmm. cycle of almost like a perfectionism of, but wait, I've got to get it right. And I've got to find the perfect decision. And then you end up not making any moves at all, which just ends up being more frustrating in the long run. Yes. And it shows up everywhere. So Mm -hmm. shopping, you know, the wedding dress is like such a great example. Like I went to three store, I went to three stores. I tried on you know, five dresses at each store. I, the first dress I tried on, I liked the most. And I was like, okay, I could go to 10 more stores or I could keep going back and trying on. But I was like, did I like that dress? Yeah. Was it good enough? Yes. Okay. And I was married almost 20 years ago and I fully like that dress was not the main part of that day anyway. And I loved it and it was beautiful. Um, But it it shows up for people across the board. So let's say you are someone who posts to Instagram as part of your job. You know, mm-hmm. an, uh, an optimizer gets so st- stuck in trying to make the, you know, perfect grid and say the perfect thing that they don't post at all. Yeah. And their message, their important message for the world doesn't get out, you know, or they try to decide about going back to school or starting a new passion project and they get so bogged down in deciding that they don't mm-hmm. take a step forward. And so the cool thing is, so some of us are more naturally satisfied. That, that is it's where I'm probably the are. optimizer. <laughs> you hit that. Like <laughs> shopping, not so much. Like I'll take on a new project, but then taking that next step, like, oh, wait, now I got to figure it out. I'm currently, I'm currently optimizing in my life. I need to satisfy. <laughs> so, so that's, Mackenzie, you're so self-aware. I love it that <laughs> you can be you can be an optimizer in one area and a satisfactor in another. And the cool thing is that it's not a personality trait. It's a, just a way of thinking. So you can, yeah. you can change it. Um, so if it's not serving you, that's what I always tell people. This isn't about like labeling, shaming, blaming. It's just saying like, if this isn't serving you, mm-hmm. there are other ways and you could try this other way, which is really just, if you feel stuck in a decision um, or you feel stuck in taking action, like, literally write out a trade-offs list. If I do this, what happens? If I don't do it, what happens? And then also what happens if I do something in the middle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's not the two extremes. And then weigh the trade-offs. What matters to you most right now? Um yeah. and that brings up another part of the book is the should to good. There's so many ways we could yeah. Yeah. if anything, I put a lot in the book. So it's very yeah. short, but there's a lot you could take from it. Yeah. And that should to good piece is just if you look at that trade-off list or any other part of your life and you ask yourself, you know, which which thing matters most, you could ask yourself, is this a should, something I think I should do, or is it a good, something that would be, you know, good for me, good for the people around me, yeah. good for my community. And then that's the one you go with. Mm-hmm.
Ladies, if you've been following me for a while, especially if you're over on Instagram, then you know I really like a good supplement. (laughs) I like things that are going to boost my health, make me feel better, help me to tackle the day in a better way. And I am really excited that this fall I have partnered with a company that really helps me do that. They're constantly coming out with new fabulous supplements and products that bolster my health and help me to feel better, to really be more productive, and to do things like get my hormones in balance and all of that sort of thing because they are creating products that are clean and really work. And that is Keon. Now they have a fabulous coffee that I love to drink. It's totally clean. It doesn't have molds or synthetic chemicals or any of the junk in it. They recently released a decaf version and they've just done such a good job. They're not going to release a product until they're absolutely sure that they've made it the best product that it can be. It's a great smooth coffee. It doesn't give you the jitters. It's just a really, really terrific coffee that I love making in my French press and feeling like an adult in the morning. But I also love Keon Immune. That's a mix of vitamin C and zinc to help support my immune system this fall and winter. I take it every day. It's such a great supplement. I can tell a difference when I'm not taking it, and I definitely feel like it helps bolster my health. They just released a Keon Omega, which we all need more Omegas in our life to just help our brains function better. I know that I need more for my brain, and Omega is also one of those key things that helps us as women to be able to regulate our hormones better. There are so many great products that they have over at Keon, and I would just really encourage you to go check them out and see what might help your health this fall and winter. You can go to getkeon.com slash livewell. Check out any of their products and you will get 15% off by using that link. So go to getkeon.com slash livewell. Check out everything that they've got and let me know if you have any questions about what I have been using. So again, that's getkeon.com slash livewell for 15% off. That's so helpful. (laughs) I can't wait to get the hard copy of this book because, and you say this, I think even in the beginning of the book, you want it to be kind of like a manual for people to keep coming back to time and time again. And Mm -hmm. it was so great to listen to, but I really did that for the purpose of preparing for the interview, not changing my life. (laughs) And now I want to (laughs) go back and like actually dig through it and do the work of it because I think that this is one of the most impactful, like habit forming, life altering things that I like books that I've read, people I've had on the show, I really resonate with your book. I just think you've done a fabulous job and I can't wait to, to dig into it more. Oh, thank you. That really means a lot. I, that was my, really my intention with it. And, um, it's like this, it is a small, my contribution, my small shift, because if we can collectively, I mean, imagine Mackenzie, like all of these people learning a little more self-kindness and Mm -hmm. learning to not that the being hard on yourself, isn't the (laughs) being a realist yeah, and that they can focus on the daily practices. What would that do for our communities and what would that do for our kids and what would that do for our world? And it's, it is small, but it makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. I am so glad that you played your part and you've created this resource (laughs) because I just think that it is so good and so helpful and I can't wait for people to listen to this episode, but then get their hands on it and and make those differences in their life. For sure. Thank you. The perfect time of year for it too. Like everybody's thinking about it. So 
get the book guys ask for it for christmas it's well worth it <laughs> it's like under 15 dollars. so yes. it's, it's like it's a, a small investment for something that you can have for a long time and i hope use for a yeah. long time and it's really pretty too i'll say that it is it's a very pretty book. <laughs> yeah. we did i i feel like i had done all this reading and research and I just wanted something that you could gift or that you could put on your nightstand or your morning routine and that you picked it up and you felt good holding it. And so I hope that came across. It did. It did. Well done. Okay. We are going to shift gears a little bit here, heading in towards the end of the show, but what does a typical day look like for you? Well, right now, uh, we are, I, it's, I have one daughter, so it, she's eight and a half, um, actually almost nine. So I have an almost nine-year-old and then my husband, and we all work here at our house every day, all day. <laughs> we yeah. never go anywhere. So um, I <laughs> have- <to> 2020. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and our dog. So uh, I get up and uh, I, I do have a morning routine, but I kind of, um, it's more about those practices that you mentioned mm-hmm. versus like doing it at, at a certain time, because- I need to be a little more flexible. Yeah. Um, so it's helping her get ready and get on her school call. And then within that time frame, I have a few little practices that I do related to like some of those practices in the book around um, mindset. So maybe a little journaling. I drink a big glass of water. I try to stand outside, even though I live in a very Northern part of the country um, to get some light on my face uh, yeah. for circadian rhythm and just get through the winter. Um, and then I'll do like a 20 minute, I call them exercise snacks. Um, not eating while working out, but actually small bursts of movement through the day. I saw this on your Instagram today. (laughs) So I'm like exercise snack. Um, so I'll do like a little mat workout or jump on the bike or whatever, um, shower. And then, uh, I try to, I try to work. (laughs) It goes, (laughs) It goes well some days and not others. I hear um, you. Yeah. And then yeah. I do a couple like mini wellness breaks through even now. Um, so instead of trying to put all the emphasis on a morning routine as a mom that wasn't working. So I, I do a shorter one and then maybe mid-morning, mid-afternoon and evening, I'll, I'll inject maybe like five minutes of just drinking my tea in silence, even if that's like in a closet or whatever it has to be, <laughs> yeah. um, or going on a walk or listening to a podcast. And, um, so just having those anchors mm-hmm. is, is really, um, helpful. And then I'm the dinner maker, my husband's the dishes doer, and then, um, reading, maybe watching a show. And it's very, very like groundhog day at the moment, <laughs> but all the more reason to have those practices because they keep me in that daily habit of taking care of myself and then being able to do the things that matter to me. Yeah. I love that. And so I think you probably kind of answered it, but I always ask on the show, like, what is one little way that you are living well anyway, doing something for like pleasure or taking care of yourself? Is there something else or do you think it would just kind of be those practices? Yeah. The, I, well, I call it like my four R daily routine. So it's just like revive, reset, rest through the day. That's been huge because yeah. it allowed me to let go of the idea that I had to do anything for one hour mm-hmm. and allowed it to be um, more 
uh, intentional practices that make me feel good that kind of weave through the day and aren't necessarily at an exact time. So that mm-hmm. has really helped me live well anyway in this year. Yeah. Um, and sometimes just literally going for a five minute walk or um, like while li- listening to a podcast or um, I'm a huge proponent of just sitting and drinking something, tea, coffee, water, whatever is your drink of choice. And just think like in s- silence mm-hmm. um, without scrolling. It's those little ways that I remind myself like you're, I'm worthy of care mm-hmm. um, that that adds up to a lot at the end of the week and the yeah. end of the year and the end of the life, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think we, especially in a year like this, have gotten ourselves so used to distracting ourselves so that we don't have to think about like yes. what is actually happening in our lives. And even this morning, like I have an echo dot in my bathroom and a lot of times I'll listen to music or a podcast or whatever, or watch a YouTube video while I'm getting ready. And I kept wanting to jump to those things, but I also knew that I needed to think about things <laughs> and I needed yeah. to be brainstorming ideas. And I was blown away by just not distracting myself or talking to a friend on Marco Polo or whatever it was while I was doing my makeup. I just didn't do any of that. And I came up with so many great ideas by the time I was done. It's like, wow, look what happens when I just like quiet everything around me and actually allow myself to think. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, it, it it's so many reasons, like you mentioned um, this year, especially like, you know, there was a reason to always to be on our phones for yeah. various times. And then, and then like, it might be the way that you feel like you get a break from the people mm-hmm. around you or your children. But like, if you can, if you can find a little bit of space for, for silence, whether it's in the shower without something on, or whether mm-hmm. it's taking your cup of coffee and like finding a place, I'm not kidding about the closet. I'm also yeah. huge on what I call carcation, which is just <laughs> sitting in your car yes. <laughs> in the, yes. in the driveway uh, with your coffee or your tea or whatever. Um, another thing I love to do is legs up the wall, which is just a yoga pose where you lay on the floor and you put your legs up the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the, that's the yoga pose. Um, that's super good for like, um, anxiety reduction, lymphatic drainage, and it kind of forces you for stillness for a few moments. Um, but cultivating those things on a regular basis, most days, um, creates this like web of wellness through your day um that that really it's like the um the culmination of everything you talked about it's all these small shifts that add up to really big change yeah oh I love that I feel like I could keep talking about it for another hour (laughs) but I will wrap things up with my stock questions are you ready oh gosh yes I'm notoriously bad at these but yes oh you'll be fine okay (laughs) Candles or essential oil diffuser? Uh, diffuser. Okay. Cloth napkins or paper? Cloth. City or country? Oh, right now country. Okay. Paper or digital? Paper. For shopping, we don't really have much of an option anymore. (laughs) But if you were to be able to choose, would you rather do it online or in the store? in the store 
I really miss going in stores. Everybody now is like, even if I would have said online before, now I just want to be in a store. I just want to touch the things and not like, you know, talking about decision fatigue. I'm like, it used to be going in a store. I could just look at stuff and put it, take it to the person and I could buy it. Now it's like 12,000 decisions, a hundred thousand items, like set up your account. And I'm just like, this is no fun. So yeah please yep. stores don't go away. Yeah. <laughs> we would like you to be pure when this is over. <laughs> yes. Don't just come yeah, become sure. warehouses that deliver. <laughs> Although those can be nice sometimes, right. you know, there, there is sometimes like, ah, I am actually in a place with people and looking at things that I want to buy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For it, sure. Yeah. It's four o'clock or whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? podcast and what are some of your favorite podcasts oh gosh late lately I've been listening to good ancestor I love that one um I love the Brene Brown podcast and uh I I actually this is really bizarre but I do listen to my own podcast because (laughs) I love to hear um a lot of times I love to listen to my guests because they're mm-hmm. amazing. And I, when you're, as you know, because yeah. when you're interviewing, it's different than just being a listener. Totally. And I also just listen because I really like to, in a, in a non-judgmental way, I love to listen and hear how I can become a better interviewer. So well, I do listen to you. my own. I <laughs> never listen to my own. <laughs> I find that's true for most people. And I think it had to, I had to get past the, you know, I hate my voice and all these self-critical things, but I found that over time, listening has been probably the best action to become better because every time I listen, I go, Oh, hmm, I could have, you know, that didn't, that question didn't land or whatever it was, but I can do it in a way. Now it took a lot of practice where I don't just rip myself apart yeah. and that's a that's a practice on its own so yeah. I love I love listening and then I'll do I do Vox too with friends which is just a voicemail oh, yeah. app so that's a lot of times what I do first before podcasting is catch up with friends yes that and Marco Polo is what I do we do a lot of video it's kind of like Vox or only video um, love it okay chocolate milk or dark dark sports or no sports sports if you could choose between live broadcasting or watching someone else do it which would you rather like if I like was watching insta stories or do a like doing like a live or something would you rather watch somebody else do a live or would you rather be the one doing it I'd rather do it with somebody okay (laughs) split the difference okay (laughs) split the difference yeah what is your favorite movie? Oh gosh. I cannot answer favorite anything, but I can <laughs> tell you that right now for Christmas, it's Elf and Christmas Vacation. All right. Those are, I totally support both of those answers, especially, <laughs> especially Christmas Vacation. That was always like our go-to movie. And it, it wasn't even until I got older that I realized, oh my gosh, mom, like, 
dad this has like a lot of stuff in it but oh it's it super inappropriate the thing. Yeah. yeah it was always the thing we watched yeah yes. and loved. we let our daughter watch it starting a couple of years ago I'm like yeah. this is wildly inappropriate but she yeah. thinks it's so funny and she doesn't really get all of the other yes. stuff yes so. exactly yeah. yeah I totally agree and I also agree about the having trouble picking a favorite this is just like a total side story my daughter last week she told me okay mom I want to interview you because she knows I interview people all the time she's like well what's your favorite mm -hmm. color I said well it depends like it changes right yes. <laughs> and she's like what's your favorite food I said well it changes and then right. she said who's your favorite kid and I was like well it changes <laughs> <laughs> I know I can't I can't answer favorite but I it yeah. depends I can tell you my favorite Christmas yes. movie so there, you there we go. go that was a good one okay and final question if you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair <laughs> where would you be on the spectrum uh six All I right. grew up in you in a boulder colorado okay. which is a 10 yeah. and then i grew up in um eugene eugene oregon which oh is my a goodness 10. yes um so i know the 10s and so i would say i'm yeah. a six compared to real 10s but maybe yes. if i was in the midwest i would be like a nine so <laughs> yes i it definitely Bye. your perspective matters for sure right for sure i would I say I would... eileen crunchy but yes. I also lean science. So it, I yes. like to be right there in the middle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I went to college in Missoula, Montana. Same kind of thing. Okay. It's a 10, mm -hmm. you know? And so I know, I know comparatively, but then I know according to normal people <laughs> what I am. So right. I get that. Right. Yep. If I go like upstate New York where my husband's from, I'm, I'm like a nine when I'm yeah. there. But if yeah. I'm, a, I'm in Portland right now, I'm, I'm in Portland. I live in Portland. Oh, okay. I'm like a three. Yeah. So yes. in Portland, I'm a three. Yes. <laughs> so. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, it has been so wonderful talking to you and getting to pick your brain a little bit. And especially after listening to you for the last couple of days, getting to actually talk about all of this with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You guys, Robin's got such a fresh perspective that's so freeing and life-giving, I think, thinking about goals and plans and change and habits. This is one of those books I'm just going to insist you need to get your hands on. You need to really sit with this, work your way through it. You can find her book by going to mackenziecoppacom slash Amazon. That will take you to all of my lists, but you can especially find my book list where this book is listed. You can also scroll up in your show notes. We've got a direct link there. It's that good. You can listen to the audio book. You can get the hardcover book, Kindle. You know, I would get numerous formats like me if I were you, because I think it's just that impactful and it could have a serious effect on how we do things next year. And even right now, you don't even have to wait. You can start right now like she talks about in the book. And ladies, I would love to hear back from you about this episode. I think it's so impactful. I've got so many thoughts about it and I would love to discuss it with all of you. And if you want to do that, come and join us. Get in our Facebook group, sign up for the newsletter where you can really have conversations with other people in the comments. And I love hearing what you think about it. 
I would love to talk with you in my DMs on Instagram. And then if you really want to get involved and you really want to be a part of a community who is talking about these things day in and day out, women who truly love and support each other, you've got to come over and check out Patreon. It is the most inspiring group of women that I found on the internet. Everyone is so supportive, so many great ideas being bounced back and forth, so much grace, but also inspiration and encouragement. The Live Well Together Patreon is like none other, and I would love to have you come be a part of it with us. You can join it for as little as $5 a month. It's the perfect place to be ushering in a new year and preparing for that. I would just love to see your face there and get to know you. So go to patreon.com slash together to become a part of that group and to really get the accountability and the encouragement and everything that you need walking into a new year. Katie Duckett joins me over there. We do mini casts every month that are a ton of fun. We've got the daily live shows that I do in the Facebook group. We've got our behind the scenes Marco Polo group where those ladies get like the real inside dirt. But we would just really love for you to come over there, check it out and be one of us. Get in there and do 2021 better. We are breaking the rules for next year and we are going to create our own rules and make life easier and more fun and more joyful. So let's live well anyway and let's do it together. Patreon.com slash live well together. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. Share this episode with your friends and until next week, go be bold and gracious. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.